Welcome to the Mentality Podcast. Today, I've talked to Jamie Peacock. Jamie Peacock is a former teammate of mine at Leeds Rhinos and he's a former Great Britain captain. He's a former Bradford Bulls player and Leeds Rhinos player. And he managed to finish playing at 30 years old after winning. Here we go. He's won nine Super League championships, so nine Super League Grand Finals, four Challenge Cup winners medals, and he's been named as a player in the Super League Dream Team on 11 occasions. And he won the Man of Steel Award, which is the best player in the comp, voted by all the players in the comp. He won that in 2003, so he's won a shit ton, basically. We talk about vulnerability and its role in Rugby League, if it has one, where it could be beneficial. We talk about that in the Rugby League arena, but also outside of it. And we also talk about JP's career and how it has changed over the course of time, how he adapted his playing game and how he looked after himself and how he kept striving forward for more and more. We talk about a really, really sort of heartfelt anecdote uh, where in 2013 his dad was was dying, Uh, his dad was at the hospice, at Wheatfield's Hospice in Leeds before leaving to go play against Wigan away on a Friday night where the full team uh, were a Superman kit and JP talked about that time and making the decision turning up to the change rooms to see the lads to play the game and knowing that it would have been one of his dad's wishes and his dad loved his career talks about the feelings the stuff that, that he had to do to, to go through that, that pain and to go through the the feeling of, of playing that game and, and how he played in that, in that particular game too. And one of the questions that I'm going to ask many high performers that come onto the podcast now is what it's like to be on. So what it's like to be on in their profession, in the zone, for their job and their passion. JP's answer is as a rugby league player and we talk about the different things that went into that for him. And we get quite a lot of depth around all these subjects that we talk about. We really, really go beneath the surface and dig into quite a lot of topics that I think people will find really, really helpful to understand what goes on and what goes into being a rugby league player for 18 years. And this podcast is sponsored by our new partner, Better You, an award-winning natural health brand. Better You specialises in the pill-free supplementation of nutrients that have been underrepresented or simply omitted due to our modern diets and lifestyles, including transdermal magnesium and oral vitamin sprays. I recently did a podcast with the director, Andrew Thomas, who, after is dabbling with magnesium, this is important for people who suffer with asthma, it allowed him to drop an inhaler which had been his crutch his whole life after this dabbling with magnesium. And magnesium can also help with migraines and the relaxing of muscles and a big one, something that underpins everything that we do, sleep. These things are important for me, especially in my life right now. I also use a range of their supplements in the form of oral sprays, which are much easier than tablets. I use CBD, vitamin K, vitamin D, vitamin B, and turmeric and also a big one important for you vegans listening b12 vitamin b12 all good for my brain health but also keeping me ticking over as an athlete to get your hands on some of their awesome products head over to betteryou.com and check them out it's now time to jump into the pod enjoy
JP, good to have you, my mate. Good to have you on. Yeah, it's good to be on. It's good to do something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is, isn't it? Yeah. A, bit, a, bit of a, a bit of a mind workout, mate, compared to all the stuff you've been doing. Um, with what bikes and, and, and the Ironmans you're up to, up to doing, but a bit of a mind workout, this. I'm, I'm looking forward to this chat. Looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah, me too, mate. Me too. Um, and and I, guess, I guess, like, the way that we, that we could do it, um, there's probably a few ways we could do it. We could go down the route of all the sort of things that radio interviews do and, and um, TV journalists do. But yeah, I want to. I probably want to look at look at, at your career, what you've learned from your rugby career and post career now in, in business environments and 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 your personal life and and whatever's um, you've found to to be a challenge and found to to overcome. Uh, I want to look at that through the lens of of different things. So how how you've how you've learned stuff along along the way, what you've learned in terms of what it is to be vulnerable, uh, whether that's as a rugby league player, uh, whether that's after your career, and what what I'm really interested in 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 you being a person to offer advice in terms of transitioning from being a player, being someone who played up till 38 years old. Um, and winning all that stuff and, and being so successful in yeah. terms of transitioning that what you've learned in that into into your game after so um, I hope we get through the 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 sort of journey of your career as we go um, but feeding in lessons and stuff that you can sort of tell people and, and, and what you've learned and, and, and how you've conducted yourself I guess through through your career um, if that's changed or if it's not changed um, that sort of really interests me and it'll scratch an itch for me. Um, I guess jumping in, jumping into it, uh, I, th- I think to start with where you're at now and, and what you're going with doing post-career. Post and I know it's a bit of a, if you can give me a lockdown a lockdown answer and also a, a normal reality answer as well, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Well, the, the lockdown on so what's sitting on a walk bike, yeah, yeah, sitting on a walk bike and think about things. No, pre pre uh, pre lockdown, you know, I obviously finished uh, finished playing at Leeds, um, went to go be director of rugby car. Um, you know, I think one of the things players need to realise when you finish playing is you, you don't know what you're going to be good at and you don't know what what you want to do, and I think it's important to realise that, that if you do something you don't like it, then it's not the end of the world. Um, for me, you know, I've met some good people at OKR, but being, I, I don't, my personality type is that I, I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. And I don't like being in a routine. I used to hate it um, at the end of, my, end of my playing days, being in the same old routine and being told when to train and what to do. And that was just another case of doing that. Uh, so I moved on from that. And, and now I kind of like running some businesses, you know, obviously doing motivational talks, which has been successful. But off the back of that, I built that into a, a mentoring program, which, you know, pre-coronavirus was flying, absolutely flying and taking, you know, three years to build some momentum with, with, with that. Um, and then also I've been working with, uh, in schools and health and wellbeing programs. Uh, I mean, I worked for the Rhinos in commercial as well at uh, that time. But obviously, uh, you know, being in schools, uh, talking to large groups of people and sport are no longer viable. Uh, essentially, now at the moment, um, 
So recently, I've just been doing a little bit of the, the mentoring, but doing it remotely, changed the program. It used to be a program where you, you would be, you know, face-to-face contact, but it'd be physical. You, you know, you wouldn't be sat in the room with someone, but I changed it. Uh, so, you know, the, my initial talks on PowerPoint, um, books get posted out to people, and the sessions are done, you know, by, you know, Google or, or Skype or, or whatever that way, and, and and that's doing all right. But I think I, I think a issue is at the moment is that I think a lot of companies are either struggling or trying to save cash. And when you save cash, the first thing you stop spending money on is developing people. Uh, so I'm just gonna have to sit and ride this one out. So I've just been doing, you know, a, a lot of uh, fitness, uh, doing a bit of work, and then just. I think that's been good. It's just keeping a bit of a journal because I think the days can blend really easily into one one another. Yeah, that's true. That's true, mate. I've 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 kept I've started keeping a bit of journal. Um, I do, I do. Um, it's derived from so Natalie's my partner. She's um, a contemporary dancer. Yeah, she's got this. Um, she's got this book. It's called The Artist Way. Um, it's got a load of stuff in it. It's got a load of layers to it and, and different things. But one of the things in it is is um, a morning journal, and it's just three pages in the morning. So I do three a five pages in the morning of anything, anything that yeah. comes to your mind. Um, and I guess it's a way of, of caging that monkey mind and and stopping those random shitty thoughts that follow you around sometimes in the day, and you just get them down on a bit of paper. And I think it frees you up to think about other stuff in the day. Um, so that's that's going off subject a bit. But yeah, mate, and, and on the night, and I think it's good in it to sort of understand what's going on in your life during this. I, I look back over April, and I'm like, what's even happened? Like, yeah. it's just gone, on it? And it, yeah. you, you, one minute you're, you're on 1st of April, and then you're on 27th. Um so yeah, it's that's good uh, to keep to keep keep on top of. Um, I guess I guess just after after you've spoke about your life post career, um, should we dip into a bit of of of, of your life and, and your career during and and yeah, what that you can do what like? want, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that all right? Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. Because um, I'm just thinking it's a fucking long career, mate. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, let, let's let's chat a bit about that, mate, and then off the back of that, I think we'll we'll we can we can go into some other stuff too. Yeah. Cool. Um. So so you as a, I mean, I remember sitting down with you, talking a bit about my talks and stuff like that. Yeah. And and, and I had a peek at yours, and you've sort of had a a career where you've changed as a player, as a as a, as a person, and, and what you've offered in in those in those roles. Can you explain a bit about you know the different clubs and, and how you changed your game and how you changed as a leader a bit going up going up through the ranks? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, no worries. I think you know, obviously, I, I came into the uh, professional sport late, and I think I was very naive, you know. And I think um, when I first got into the sport, one thing I did have I had, I had a very good work ethic, and I, I got into a club at the Bradford Bulls where there was a lot of players who had the same, similar kind of work ethic, who perhaps. Uh, weren't the most talented players but knew that working out could take you a long way with it in rugby league um, and I suppose for myself you know I got into that club uh, it's a club that suited me um, and then when you first break into any team it's just about earning stripes isn't it you know uh, it's about making sure you do the things that you know are going to keep you in the team and I think probably my advantage as a player was never going to be my uh, natural rugby ability but it's my, my ability to think and ability to think and realise what's needed and what does the team need and 
um, am I going to first of all learn respect to my teammates and then probably that was the first part of my journey as a, as a player into the team um, and I, I always had a, a um, thought to myself one of my, my ambitions was to always try to become the best player in the team uh, so I did it when I was in my amateur nearly got there in academy nearly got there in alliance and then I you know forced me in the first team and that was kind of a theme for mine that I wanted to any team I wanted to get into I wanted to try and make my way to be the best player I'm not saying I always did that but that's what my um, ambition w- w- was to be to contribute as much as I could then I suppose that the Bulls um, within you know playing three, four, five years um, Brian Noble asked me to captain one day when the, there was about a few players out um, and then eventually ended up captaining the team at Great Britain in, in 2005 and probably over, you know, three, four and five years, three, four and, 2003, four and five, developed more into a leader within the team. Some older players had retired. Um, I always, you know, I don't know. I, I thought I, I had, I thought rugby league shaped me in, in a lot of ways in terms of the values you need to play the sport. Um, but then, yeah, and then obviously moved to Leeds, changed, uh, moved, Positions. You know, I was a second rower, uh, moved into Leeds, became you know a prop, and then um, you know final stage of my career changed the way I played again as a prop because the environment had changed around me. Um, you know, I, was, I wasn't particular. For a technical example, would be I was uh, a great passer of the ball. Didn't have great rugby league talent, right? But then James Graham started playing the game, changed the way, way it was as a prop. Props start passing again, so I'm like 32, 33. You know, do, do I need to change, or can I just stay as, as as I am? And I thought, you know what, I need to change. You know, the way I play the game to stay relevant. Um, he's the best prop at the moment, um, and I, I want to be up there alongside him within the competition. So I need to learn how to do it. So I used to practice doing that in training. And I kind of, oh, I always had my eye on the ball about how I need to do it, evolve as a player. And I think you often see a lot of players, certainly in rugby league, that the careers finish, you know, 30-31, they start dropping down the divisions because they're even not adapted to the environment uh, of, the, of rugby league or they've not been prepared to learn new skills or they get sloppy, you know, they get sloppy and start making uh, easy decisions, not the right decisions. And for me, I think that combination of, you know, I was always prepared to make the, the, the right decision, not the easy one. I was always prepared to try and learn and adapt my game, allow me to stay relevant for, for a long time. And also that I think uh, the mindset of wanting to learn consistently also allowed me to continue to develop as a, as a leader. And I look at the way I was as a, as a leader, um, say the Bradford Bulls to where where I finished and you know large parts of me are the same but you know certain traits have changed along the way a lot an example of a story would be I think in 2003 we'd, you know we, we were struggling at the Bulls we'd probably we'd lost three games in a row which is unusual at the Bulls um, and we just had a, a team team run which is the last training session before we play and it was shit you know there were balls down everywhere and I was really frustrated by it um, and after the training session, I just because I, I used to have a short temper, I just lost it and just give it everyone, just saying, you know, fucking, you know, it's not good enough. Is this no way near good enough? And just lost my top with everyone, uh, thinking that was the right thing, thinking that's what the team needed. So anyway, I left off, walked up the pitch. You know, by the time I've got home two hours later, I've realised, you know what, it's completely wrong thing to do. 
uh, as a team are low on confidence. The reason why people are dropping balls and not playing well is not because they don't want to try or, or they're wanting to do that on purpose because they haven't got much confidence. And last thing they need from me three weeks into losing games is, you know, me tearing strips off them and pointing out how shit they've been. Um, and for me, you know, that stands out for me that you, the, there's many different ways to get things done. Uh, and you have to understand that, that you have to have a better understanding of the situation. And I think I developed as a leader from a bloke who just always consistently, you know, give it people to find different ways to try and get the best out of people. Yeah. That, that makes sense, mate. Yeah. Is there any way that you sort of changed your way straight after that, that, that instance? Did you, did you address the team straight after in, in the next few days or just sort of park it and just re- remind yourself that, you know, a different way would have been better? Yeah, just reminding myself that I need I need to be uh, a better way of doing things, and, and you know I've managed to develop that. A guy, uh, John Finney, actually, is a good uh, sports psychologist. He, he said to me, when in probably five six years later, personality trait, he says you, you you're like the steel fist inside the velvet glove. You you'll, you've got some discipline and you'll get things done, but you realise there's a few different ways to do it rather than just punching someone straight in the face. You know, there's yeah. a few different ways to do, do things, and I think that's you know development of, of, of leadership, is communication, isn't it? I think you know there's three. Uh, as I sit back now, you get plenty of time to reflect on things, and I think for me the three kind of things that stand out about uh, leadership are. Um, Having good communication skills with people, you 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 know you're always either selling a story or trying to convince people or get them on board, or you're telling people the truth. And there's many different ways to tell people the, the, the truth. The next thing is, I think, is having deeper relationships about people. It's just caring about people. I think that's really really important. Um, I probably wish I'd done a bit more of that in, in my career. I understand it a bit more now. I think I was always quite. A, compassionate person and emotionally intelligent but I could have spent more time doing that and the third thing I think in life uh, for leadership is trust I think people have got to trust you Um, and I think a way of getting trust is that you always always do what you say you're going to do and I think that's one of my skills as a person as a player was I'd always always do what I was was going to do and I think that if I said I'd do something for somebody that creates trust and I think that's a skill that quite a lot of rugby league players have got, right? And it's a skill that I'm going to move into transition here. And, it, and it's a skill that a lot of rugby league players need to understand that the vast majority of people in the outside of sports world don't do that. And that's the biggest, it's just reminded me, that's the biggest thing I found. The big, hardest thing I found about transitioning was when you're in a successful sports team, I reckon it's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the players will always, always do what they say they're going to do, right? So I'd always been in successful teams. And there's 20% who do it now and then. But when you get when I got out into the real world, people just don't hold themselves accountable to, to themselves. And it's just a lot of people, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people don't always, always do what they say they're going to do. Um, and I think... That's a great skill to have, and I think most rugby league players have that, and I think they should realise that when they finish playing, because that's not a skill that dies on a rugby field or on a training field. That's a skill that people want. People want people that always, always do what they're going to say they're going to do, and I think that's a skill that's allowed me to be good in leadership because it allows people to trust me, but then it's allowed me to be successful. Because whenever I say I'll do something for someone, I just do it, you know? 
that that's probably the, one of the main ingredients in it. I think I think obviously if you take talent out of it and skill out of it, the fact that a team will be honest with each other and work for each other is probably the sort of main factor in it. I, I imagine you know well I know it to be um, of of that uh, a successful team. Um, what 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 actions and what sort of things can you remember playing for GB um, and and even at Rhinos and, and Bulls that. As a leader, you, you had to you had to put in place further on down down your career. Can you remember any of those actions or or things that you had to do? I just thought there's a couple of things with leading Great Britain. I think the first time I think leading uh, Alan leading Great Britain is different from leading a, a club side because a lot of players are good leaders, and you have a larger percentage of good leaders. Um, so I, I felt as Great Britain, you don't always be as dominant. As, as, a, as a person and it's time to sit back and you know the first time I, I captained Great Britain uh, I remember getting like six or seven of the other senior guys in the room from other clubs and saying look this is about all of us doing this you know it's about um, me needing your help for us to be our best because you're all good leaders at your club so I, I want you to captain that how, how you would captain and that um, for me was a key difference in captaining your country than captain you know, a normal club side or leading a normal club side because you've got all them that extra leadership capabilities there and, and you want to try and get the best out of them, create an environment where they want to do what they they, they want to do. It's like, it's, uh, what's it? It's, it? Leadership, it's not about being the best in the room. It's about getting the best out of the room, right? So that's the way you do that. That's the difference. And then I always thought as well, a, a thing to underpin with Great Britain, when you're captain Great Britain, it's, for me, I always thought I had to be one of the best. When I was captain Great Britain, I wanted to be one of the best three players uh, because you have to build. Because with Great Britain, you you don't have the time with Great Britain to get good relationships, really good deep relationships with people because you're only together for four or five weeks. So how are you going to create trust, right? You create trust by being by playing well, by being prepared to sacrifice your team and play as well as you possibly could. So my focus always as Great Britain was those two was to make sure, make sure you get out the best out of the other leaders in the group, but then be one of the best players within the group because I thought that was a, a real emphasis on that. And I stood down as you know the captain of Great Britain and England in 2011-12 because I realised I was no longer one of the best three players there, and I thought I can't. For me, it's not the right thing to do to captain Great Britain when you're not one of the best players within the team um, because of that. So, yeah, that's kind of my principles with them too. Yeah, mate. I, as I was obviously as a player that's um, that's, that's played with you um, for a, a number of years and known you, you've always come across as as um, a, a sort of a, someone who knows how to work with people and and someone who who, who works at works out who to trust and, and who not to trust, so to, so to speak. Um, and you mentioned like emotional intelligence and stuff and, and obviously you've had that in, in both loads during your career and the fact that, you know, players, when they finish playing, they need to sort of experiment or they need to sort of um, have a look at what they're enjoying and, and, and sort of understand that. And, and, and I can see that uh, especially... Um, you know, when you when you get sort of a, a, a big injury like this, this head injury, this concussion, it sort of makes you think, fucking hell. Um, you know, you you have to sit back and you have to sort of understand where you're at. Um, so I just wanted to get a picture from you, mate. Like along those experiences, along those um, times that you've had in your career, 
where does where does vulnerability lie in that? And and can you remember how conscious you were of that? Like, I mean, I, I think back to, you know, pre, you know, five years ago or whatever, and I'd never, like, allow myself to be that. I'd never allow myself to do it. Um, and I never really have an understanding of it and, and where it comes in. Um, and I only have a sort of, um, a, you know, an understanding of myself and how it's worked um, and, and where you need it. But... I, I'd love to pose a question to you um, for for you in your career. If you can think of any examples, you think of any examples post career um, for what you think about vulnerability and, and and where that lies with rugby league now and where it has in the past. Yeah, I think vulnerability is a difficult subject when being a rugby league player because on the pitch you have to show zero, right? You have to show zero vulnerability because you show one. one little bit of vulnerability and people can see that as a weakness and want to chink into that. All right. So in terms of performance on the pitch for me, there was never any sign of that. You'd never show anything. You know, you know what it is. If you get drilled by someone as hard as possible, you, you never show somebody that. Never show you. Never, never show. Never show you. Uh, and it's about I mean, the mental toughness in performance um, to not show that regardless of, you know, how hard you've been hit or, or what's gone on or um, for me so in terms of performance as a player never um, but off the field is a different story because I, I think people connect better with people who uh, have flaws alright so we've, we're, we've all flawed in our, in our in every person's flawed okay and I think as a leader it's, <clears throat> it's about having the vulnerability to be able to accept your flaws and show them to other people I, I, I think you know and, and I think so for me you know when you first time step what's Captain Great Britain it would be the thing to come in you know beating chess and trying to be the alpha male and dominate people but the way to be vulnerable is to get the best out of the group and say I can't do this on my own I need your support that's a form of vulnerability off the pitch to admit that you need help from other people to get the team to be the best. And I, and I think that's the form of vulnerability you need as a leader, is to be able to admit what your flaws are, admit what you can't do, and admit that you need help from others off the pitch. Uh, and I think that's where vulnerability, certainly for me, as a as a, a leader within a sports team, lies. I mean, the ability to ask other people for help, admitting that you don't know it all. Um, and that's something as you get older, you get more content with how you are as a player and you feel you've got less to prove. The less you have to prove to people, the more able you are to show some vulnerability. Okay? So, and that comes, I think, with age, that the older you get, the, the more comfortable you are understanding what you don't know and what you are good at and uh, that you need help with those things. So, that's where the terms of, for me, vulnerability lies and the ability off the pitch to ask people for help in, in, in what they do. And also, uh, it's the ability to admit that you are flawed as a person and you do have some flaws. Um, and I think pe- people connect with people who, who have flaws. Yeah, yeah, I, I, like, I like all that, mate. The idea of, of showing that you're hurt on the pitch um, and, and some of the other examples, um, I spoke to a naked professor uh, who's, who's... I did an Instagram live with him um, yeah. the, last week, the other week. Um, and he talks a lot about uh, vulnerability and stuff and what he said was really good and, and I, I think it even links to what you just said there. You can be vulnerable but not the victim, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, you know, if, if you, as a physical example, you could be on the pitch 
you could be a, and you could be like showing you and, and sort of tapping out in a way, being the victim. Um, but then off the pitch, I reckon if you show your flaws, but you don't do anything about it and you're not um, concerned with making them better and being open to, to help get them better, then that's probably being a victim too. But if you uh, show your flaws... Well, you're a victim of your ego, aren't you? Yeah, well, exactly. You're a victim of, of that sort of... Well, it's, it, it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy that you are a victim and you can't do anything to get it right. But I think if you, you're being vulnerable in a way, you know, in the positive sense, to understand that, that you have got flaws, to be open about them and to show that to people, then that's probably... Well, yeah, that's probably quite courageous and, and quite brave. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, it's, it's it's quite it's quite good to put that in into sort of a physical example and physical um, understanding, really. Because um, I, I, I've I've been quite curious about it and quite curious how to talk about it and understand it um, for what what I guess what men need, um, but also you know I know it I know it increases performance on the on the pitch too. Um, as you say, like being able to be honest as a, as a GB captain to say, look, you know, I'm I'm the captain here, but everything that 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 revolves around this team, it's everyone tipping in, and it's it's you know just as a captain, you're you're wearing the armband if you like, and and sort of um, signifying that that movement, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's quite an interesting subject. It's quite an interesting subject. Has it has it is it been something that's had to play in, into your life post career too? Like you mentioned, like the whole KR thing, and you know, did you have to take a step back and think, right, the autonomy is important for me. Here. Um, you know, this is a, another direction that I want to go in, and and is, did that did that work off the field too? Like without rugby league as a scenario, or yeah, you know what, probably um, I, I think it definitely got some something wrong at Ulkar. And I, I think probably one of them was being the opposite of that, you know, feeling I had to come in and prove prove every, everything to everybody, you know, what what I could do. Uh, yeah, it was a difficult transition that first year um, from from being a player in the, into doing that. One of one of the things I found the hardest was just having to concentrate uh, for the first probably six months, eight months, just having to concentrate for a full day. That was just difficult because. <laughs> You're used to that intense training for a couple of hours and then that's it. But then having to mentally, you know, concentrate all day long was just difficult. And, they, you know, for the first six to eight months, I was shattered in that role, actually. Uh, and they, one of the things I found hardest was in, in rugby league, you spend all, all week making sure you get to Friday and feel, feel as good as you possibly can be. Uh, but in the real world, by the time you get to Friday, you're absolutely shattered. <laughs> it's just the complete opposite. Uh, so yeah, look, you know, um, I, I've no the OKR role. I've no I've no regrets about that role. Uh, I, I think it was the right time for me to go away from Leeds and met some really really good people who've helped shape who I am today from post career. Um, so and give me some great opportunities. Um, so even though you know what we were unsuccessful by that fucking. <laughs> 30 seconds from staying up. Uh, you know, that's, that's life. Yeah. I just want to, I want to lead into me, um, and it's something that Jonesy, Jonesy talks about a lot, um, especially with like the new, well, I guess new beginnings that's been going on at Rhinos yeah. for the last, last few years. He talks a lot about um, 
the Superman game and and, and the anecdote of, of you choosing to play in that game with everything that was going on for you. Could you talk a little bit about that? I think that probably links into what we've just been talking about there, about the vulnerability and the, the, the choices that you can make from it. Could you talk a little bit about that yeah. and, and, and what was going on? No worries, yeah. So um, obviously my dad had been sick for uh, like 18 months fighting uh, lung cancer. Uh, and the week before this game, he'd, he'd been going to Wheatfield's hospice. And uh, that week on the Monday or Tuesday, he went in there and you know, with the, you know, and you know he's not coming out. Uh, so I spent, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, Friday in there. And he's getting progressively worse and worse. And then Friday, they start. When you get lung cancer, you eventually, uh, with him anyway, he lost consciousness. But then you start with a death rattle, which is like, because they call it the death rattle, because you, you know, probably 24 hours, 36 hours left to live. And it's all the, the lung, lungs are, are that from cancer that you made that noise. So, Anyway, I've not trained really with a team, and you can imagine the, the emotional conflict I'm going through. About and we're about to go play Wigan away from home, and um, I just I'd, I was didn't bring my dad in the hospital. Hospice, and I'm, all you're doing professionally with believe is just set yourself up. You know, preparation is key for great performance I, I think the better you prepare the more chance you'll have a good performance but you can imagine my preparation was a bag of, was just non-existent that week you know I mean? so anyway about you know five hours from kickoff I know you guys had set off on the bus um, and I was with him and I was thinking right what am I doing here am I going to go play is he going to die while I go play and I just thought to myself do you know what he, he, he loved my career and he'd wanted him to go out there and play so I got in the car um, and drove over and I remember I had to stop the car twice. I felt like physically sick um, just because it's very hard to, unless you've been in that situation, it's hard to explain with someone passing me. But anyway, on the car journey there, I started making my mindset around, look, uh, I, I, I'm not coming here to make up the numbers okay, regardless of the situation because uh, I'm going to come here and I want to make a fucking difference. If I'm doing this, uh, well, I'm going to come here and play well. There's, you know, what, what I'm not going to come here and just bounce around. So anyway, got got to the game and you know played the game and I probably played one of my better games that we had. I had that year uh, and we I think we we beat. I don't know what, what what score was in the end, but I think just the fact of being able to play play in that game um, and afterwards, if you know, felt empty by um, go straight back next morning. My dad died in the and not in the morning, in the evening. He died. Uh, but it just showed to me that a couple of things is that, you know, preparation is key, but your mind can convince you to play well regardless of, or, of any situation. And I think that was a big kind of lesson I got out of it that I, I, in life, I always do want to, I know I'm at my best when I prepare well for anything. Um, you know, like I give an example. Like my, so my example of preparation is, you know, once I, I had to go do a talk down in London uh, and I knew I'd have to do it. I knew I'd have to get up at five in the morning on Monday to go do this talk at 10 o'clock. So whenever you try to get up at five on a Monday morning and go to bed early Sunday, you never get to bed early on a Sunday night, do you? Because you get to bed, you can't get to sleep and you're four hours sleep and you don't feel your best. I thought that's because Sunday night I'm trying to go to bed early. I'm going to start going to bed like on Wednesday night early. So by the time I get to Sunday night, me going to bed at nine in the morning and nine o'clock at night, it's just normality. 
So I did that, got to Sunday, went to bed at nine, got up at five, had eight hours sleep, got down, nailed the talk, and off the back of it, got eight more talks, right? Just through preparing properly. But I think in life, you can't always prepare properly. And because you don't prepare properly, that can't be an excuse not to perform. Um, and, I, and I think occasionally when things don't go our way or things happen outside our control of our preparation as a sports person or even in business, you still need to be able to perform right. Uh, it's just about your mentality. Yeah? And that's the real lesson I learned that day, a big, big lesson about that, that preparation is great. Right, and you do need that, but there are times when you can just delve into just being mentally tough and blur. Mm. Yeah, man, there's a lot in that. But it gets me. Um, there's moments in my career where there's 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 been that where there's that lack of sort of um, backup, or there's that lack of sort of um, well, it's like preparation, like you say, in, into what you're doing. Um, but I think there's like a, there's something that overrides it, you know. When when you really need it, there's something that overrides it, um, and yeah, it's quite it's quite an uh, an amazing feeling to get and, and and to to feel that. I'm just wondering what, what the feeling, what feelings you had when you um, when you entered the change rooms. Can you remember going over to DW and, and entering the change room and seeing the lads or? Yeah, I mean, I just thought I seen the lads and I just thought, look, I'm not, I, I, I'm not. Com- just again, just reiterate for me because I could see the lads were a bit funny around me, you know, because about what I was going through. When I, and I was like, I was a bit, you know, I'm quiet, obviously, and I just felt uh, unout emotionally, uh, kind of really, really empty uh, emotionally. And I thought, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to fucking dig deep to play well here, and just have to find something. Um, and it's just spent the next probably 30, 45 minutes thinking about. You know, my dad and, and wanted me to play well and just being prepared. Look, you're going to have to really push yourself here and just contribute towards the team. And then, you know, with 20, 25 minutes to go, the switch flips and, and you get ready to go play and the egg goes and just give everything you've got. That's mega, mate. Thank, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking about, like, you, you talk about flip the switch there and... Um, it's something that, that as as a young lad I were coming up and I can always remember I can remember my debut actually um, seeing I think we were I think we were down I, I came on my debut with with uh, if, if you remember we all had red hair yeah. St. Ellen's away <laughs> and um, I think you got a, a contract off back of that because you dyed it black a few <laughs> weeks after <laughs> you got a new fucking four year deal yeah um but I remember coming on and, and I came on at six, I think, and it, I came on at, um, it must have been 55 minutes in or something like that. And um, I remember seeing like you and, it were you and Kev, that just seemed to be a step bef- ahead of everyone else on the field. And I don't know whether that was sort of a fitness thing or whether it was sort of un- an understanding of, of going through the fatigue and, and um, the fitness and, and, and being able to operate on the other side of it. And I think everyone will understand, you know, if they go on a run or they go um, do their type, their own specific type of fitness that you'll, if you're going hard enough, you'll hit a wall or you'll hit a sort of a place where you get to where you don't know if you can operate anymore. Um, I think as a team, we got good at that and we got good at that, um, especially 2015, where we're just sort of relentless and, and, and I'd like to touch on or see if we can break down for people like what, what that feeling is or what, 
or what it is that mindset that, that is going through it because I know that when you're on a field it's not really thoughts or words that go through your head it's just a sort of knowing or an understanding of of, of, of where you're going and I wonder what I want to start asking a lot of a play, um, a lot of people now the same few questions and um, like what is it to be on you know like what is it to be on for you um, so that 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 could be I'm, I'm going to speak to a um, one of the best ballet dancers um, ever tomorrow and it'll be I think it'll be a very different answer but it'll be interesting to know and he talked about preparation he talked about you know what, what goes on on the actions as a captain be interesting to know when you're at that spot when you're on what does that feel like um, and what goes goes into it Um Try your best to answer that, but I think there's a few facets that I mean. I, th- I think the first one, in terms of, so I can only talk about rugby league, but I, I, I always think the fittest players decide the games. There's, there's no doubt about that because um, as you get to the back stages of the games, people get tired, and the fitter you are, the clearer you can see things, and the, and the gap between your thinking, how clear you are, and what other people are allowed to fit gets wider and wider and wider. So at the beginning of the game, you're both like that, but then, you know, it gets wider and wider. And as you get down to the last 10, 15 minutes, you're one of the fittest players and you're thinking way clearer than anybody else, which means for me, you, you see opportunity. You see, you constantly, I think at the beginning of rugby league games, there are not many opportunities within the game because everybody's switched on. But as the game gets people get more and more fatigued, more and more opportunities arise. But if you're fatigued as well, you can't see them opportunities, right? But if you're fit, the more and more opportunities you get to see, um, you get more and more understanding of where the game's going to go. So like, for any rugby league players who are listening to this, fitness is absolute key. And I know this from when I came back and played for Hull KR, I uh, probably did it off the back of four weeks training and my fitness, it, well, I was fit, but I wasn't at the levels I was at before and I w- w- could not think as clear in the back 20 minutes of the game, could nowhere near think as clear uh, as, I, as I would have liked to have done and it pissed me off that I wasn't able to do that and it comes down to that fitness part of it. And then I think, you know, in terms of, I think in the early start, stages of your career, certainly for me, my experience is that you just kind of, only understand your performance um, and it's about you focusing on how you can perform well but then as you get more and more games you, you understand you have that ability to look three, four, five players a couple of minutes ahead and understand where the feel of a game is at as a whole not just where your game is at but where the game is at for the whole team and that probably come up to me after about 350 games I, I think that I had that ability for the last 200 games of my career to have a real feel that I knew that uh, you know if we ex- execute this kind of play or stay in that kind of area or you know do this kind of play then eventually we'll start to win because I recognise all these patterns I understand all these patterns in front of me and you don't see it as a game anymore you see it just as, as it's just, it, before that you see everything as quite random but when you get to that you see things as it's just patterns patterns of play and you've seen them that many times and if you're fit enough then you can take advantage of it and then the, the flow, I think the final thing he's talking about is, is they call it the flow, isn't it? It's, it's the flow of when things happen and you're just not even thinking about it. It's just, and it's it's not, 
it's not a thinking, it's not a thought, it's just a feeling and you just you can just you just feel at one within the game. Um, and I think sometimes you can be within a game, but you're not actually in the game. But when you're in the flow of a, of a game, you're just you're in it, and you can see things happening, and and there's just real clarity and of what needs to happen, what you need to do, and the basic mechanics of the game. You're not even having to think about nothing; it just seems to just come naturally. Um, and that's why I described that last little little part of that. And I think you only kind of enter that kind of flow when you're in it. For me, anyway, for a com- in a contest, in a, in a contest. So if you're winning six to nil, you don't get in the flow. But when it's eighteen fourteen in a grand final, you you end up in the flow. You end up just just right. It just happens naturally um, because I think maybe I don't know nothing about your brain, but maybe your brain realizes it needs to be in that state if you're going to try and win. Um, and, and it doesn't need to be in that state if you're winning six to nil. Are you doing something that's easy? But the more difficult it gets the more chance it's got of being successful or being inside that floor. That's my kind of take on it. Yeah, I think on that, it's it's a certain amount of challenge that you've got, like assessed challenge and, and, and being able to just dive into it. And um, yeah, like you say, if it's too easy, like it's it's manageable and you don't yeah. have to be in that. But when it is that certain amount of, um, well, yeah, when it's that certain amount of challenge, you, you, you go into that and it's quite a nice, nice place to be in that. Um, you mentioned there, mate, the fitness, and so you, uh, that's a class answer, by the way. I love that answer. Um, all, all three of those points you mentioned, the fitness. What, what was the routine that you'd go on to go into with that? Like, what's the extra things that you'd make sure that that you're fit? Like, I know you would would do certain amounts of fitness at, at training, and you know Monday would be a big day and stuff. Is there stuff that you'd do around that, or that you'd want to to make yourself do? Because you've got yeah. it's, it's, it's a hard balance, and you've got to know that you're going to be right for the weekend. Yeah, but you also know there's an area where you can maybe exert yourself a bit more to make sure. That you're I suppose right. when I was younger, yeah, when I was younger, a lot of my of that would be based around you know trying to do extra weights, and I, I probably did a lot more extras in terms of weights when I was younger. But as I got older, and you new sort of training every Monday, Tuesday, I'd always make sure there'd be ten or fifteen minutes extra fitness. Um, you know, do that, and then it revolved around extra stretching like to go running Christmas Day morning because I think nobody else would be doing it. Um, these are the things that work, work for me. Uh, but certainly that routine every week of trying to get 20 minutes extra fitness in, uh, in pre-season, trying to do a bit extra every single day uh, of, of fitness means that uh, it's pain, right? Yeah, but it's, it's going to be pain and you don't, you don't, you don't always want to do it. But you know it's going to pay off for you in 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 the long run, and all that all the minutes add up to that. You might just be that two, three, four, five percent fitter than somebody else, but that makes a difference. That's 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 the difference. And I, I think time and time again in every sport, you see that it's the guy who, who wants to work the hardest who's going to win. You know, who's going to eventually who won't win every time, but win the most times. I think, uh, especially if you mix it with talent. So for me, I, I just realised that. Realised early on, but being being fit is so important, um, and just doing extra. I might. I thought to myself, I realised as well. You know, I don't have the natural talent of other players. Um, but what, where can I get ahead of other players? Well, I can be mentally tougher, and I can be fitter than you. You know, and there are things that I can work 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 on time and time again. 
and rugby league, yeah, it's about talent. You know, talent's involved, but you know, mental toughness and fitness are, are, are just as important within that, and maybe even more so that the, the the higher demands of the game. And I think you know, I think the fit you are, then you don't have that drop off in your your skill. That's the key, isn't it? I think people who are skillful but not fit, you have a drop off in your skill ability as you get more fatigued, but the fit you are, um, you know, I might be six out of 10 at skills, but I'll stay at six out of 10 for fucking 80 minutes. Whereas someone who's not fit might be nine out of 10 at skills, but when they get back to the last 10 minutes, they're fucking three and four out of 10 because they're not, they're not, they've not put the work in and that's where you win. You know, that's where you get the advantage. Uh, that may that's something I um, noticed when, when playing with you, just relentless. Um, I know Jones would be fucking, Jones would be pissed off because he'd be having 40, 50 carries a game. But, you know, that's, that's exactly links into what we were saying there about um, being able to, to do it for the full game. And, and you know, it might not be a, a cut-out ball to the winger. It might not be... I mean, you scored a, you scored a few 30-yard dashes towards <laughs> back end, didn't you? <laughs> 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 Bigging you up here, mate. Come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah... It's, it, it does link in, mate, to that fitness and to, to that, that idea that you'll be able to be relentless. Um, is there any things that, this is for, this is for me, this, um, but what did you do in terms of looking after your body and looking after yourself in, in amongst all the collisions, in amongst all the uh, car crashes? I know I, I go into a few many, too, too many car crashes <laughs> at times, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah what, 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 what were you cautious of about in, in, in that aspect? I think uh, as, I, as I grew older and older, I, I realised it was just about how, how good you can recover, you know, how well you can recover from the game, begin to look after yourself. Uh, and probably, you know, the three, four things for me is probably just, you know, I drank less alcohol as, as I got older and realised, you know, I wanted to, uh, I realised, you know, the windows, you only get so long to play rugby league. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to make the best out of myself. Stretching was key for me, you know, I'd always be an early stretching in the morning, a stretch on the night time by myself. Then the ice baths, used to like ice bath at home and just diets, diets important. And I, th- and I think, I think the more, um, when I was younger, I used to just think, oh, just, I'll, I'll outwork everybody, I'll just work harder than everybody at training, that'll be enough. And I'll think about the game and that'll be enough. But I think as you get older, you realise it's, uh, to be the best, it's just, a, it's a lifestyle. It's not a job, it's a lifestyle. And the more you can understand to be uh, the top in professional sport, you you have to have a, a lifestyle based around it. And then the more you see the, the best in any sport, they are that way. They, they don't fluke their way to the top. They don't uh, clock in and clock out. They're just they're just on for. Um, and I think as well, you know, another thing. Good, I mean, thing that worked for me was always having a distraction elsewhere. Uh, yeah. These days, people can get you can get too consumed by it. So I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's about making the right choices, not not the easy ones. Again, coming back to that, in terms of you know your physicality, your diet, how you look after yourself. But then mentally, I, I do think it's very good uh, within sport, and that certainly helped me that I had something outside sport that I, I enjoyed doing, and um, that gave me a focus away away from that. So then you learn not to judge yourself just as a rugby league player. You learn to judge yourself as a person. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, mate. I think it's important in it to get away from it every now and then, and just completely leave it, yeah. leave it for 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 some moments in your in in your week. Um, what were what were some of 
these questions are um, from Matt Morris, who's a part of Mentality Club and yeah. sponsored a lot of podcasts. What were um, some of the best moments for you in a Leeds shirt, Leeds Rhino shirt? Oh, uh, that's a good question. You've had a few, well, like. Yeah, there's a few. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, obviously, I, I just felt that the, the, you know, the running towards the back end of my career, all, all them was big moment after big moment. You know, all, all this, I think, you know, winning the Challenge Cup and probably the last 20 minutes of the game, being able to enjoy, you know, Challenge Cup finals and all my tense affairs that you can't enjoy until you've actually won it. But we spent 20 minutes enjoying the game because we'd won easy and I thought that was such a, a lucky thing to be able to do at Wembley to enjoy a Challenge Cup final uh, be out there with mates um, and obviously the, the Ryan All try was a, a standout one you know the, the being Saints and just after the game uh, seeing everybody who stayed behind that was a great moment and then I think just finally winning the grand final at the death when um I just think that you've won a great moment. It was like the back 15 minutes where the group just dug in, just absolutely, just refused to be beat. You know, we, we didn't win on skill. We just went on the ability to manage a game and people just push themselves harder than they thought they could possibly could for a cause. And I think that, you know, they're, they're the kind of standouts. And I, and I think as well, just leading into the, uh, the, the Challenge Cup win against Castleford, it was just... You know, it was just a group of guys who committed to a plan and stuck to a plan. Um, and, and to win that after losing, you know, at Wembley um, was brilliant. And then probably, obviously, beating um, Melbourne in the um, Challenge World Club Challenge at Ellen Road. That was a great one at the time, a great um Night and day for the club as well. Uh, I think there's just been, you know, numerous ones, which is really fortunate because I think a lot of players go throughout the career and don't have, you know, they don't have lots and lots of standout moments. And, you know, I've been fortunate to do that. But again, it comes down to being at a good club and good players. Mm. And um, this is another one uh, from from Matt as well. He actually lives in Oz. Um, what's, what's in the passion behind beating the Aussies? Well, do you know what? The, the Aussies are the benchmark, right? So why, why would you not want to play as well as you possibly could against the benchmark uh, and want to beat them? And I think you know, during my time, uh, certainly early on in my career, there was because, I think because of the Super League and, and the, uh, the been Super League war and the ARL war, there was a lack of respect for British players and you know what the British competition uh, was about. And I think for me, I always wanted to try... To, you know, show what I could do against the best in the world. So I just wanted, what's the best in the world? Well, you got to find a drive and a will and a, and a way to want to beat them. And, and that for me, that was that was it. You know, you you, you want to beat the benchmark. Um, and there's no better feeling than um, being in a, an English or great in a Great Britain team and beating the, the playing for your country and beating the Australians, beating the best team in the world. Uh, it's just a shame that now a generation of players. I've not been able not been able to do that. I think it's just a, 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 a given that we've got some great players and we've got some good players who are outstanding in, in the NRL competition. It's just a, a shame now that we, we we we've got generation players who you know Sam Burgess retires, um, never been in a team to beat the Australians. I mean, it's a bit of a travesty that, but hopefully that they see how they do in the World Cup. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you've you've done a bit of travelling, mate. Any time, yeah. obviously, <laughs> with uh, with rugby league, but also. Um, over the last few years you've done a bit on your own yeah. here and there and um, 
got any any stories or, or any any places that that's been the best best for you? I know you went uh, to Japan, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Look, I always am a big believer. Life's life's more interesting when you say yes, yeah, and then you mm. figure it out afterwards. All right. But <laughs> I think there is, um, you know, it's a, it's a, I didn't go. <laughs> I went to abroad once until I was twenty years old. You know, the first I went was Wales. So as I've got older, uh, I've realised that I, I, I love being. I think there's two types of people in life, right? There's two. There's people who, who like safety and like staying at home, and that's fine. Or there's people who like risk and like to say, yeah, and that's me. I, I, I like exciting things, and I don't like routine. And part of that is traveling. Traveling brings excitement and risk because you get to see a lot of different things. And for me, Japan's the best place I've been, you know, by far. I, I, I thought it was an amazing place. I, I love, you know, the, the, the hardworking uh, culture and the discipline of the place, but also, you know, it's quite flamboyant as well. And I just love the the history that you can be in a place that's ultra ultra modern, and then you can walk five minutes, and there's some two thousand year old temples, and they just have that such respect of the past. And I think it, because it, they've been almost like a closed island for two three thousand years, they you would say that culture is not tainted it's the wrong word the culture has not been infiltrated by any outsiders really there's not that much influence so it's just who they are and their culture it's really exciting to see how different it is to the British way of things and uh, I'd highly, I highly recommend anybody you know to go back there uh, to go there it's a place that I'd like to go back to I think I'll put it on my list mate it makes sense, yeah, uh, is that where you picked up meditation and and dabbling in that as well? Uh, well, I just think not not from there, but I just think uh, I, th- I think it's a great thing to do actually. And uh, just thought I, I'm always like we originally started this conversation about you know the ability to change as a player, but that ability to change also stays the same as a person that you want to try and learn new things. So for me, part of that was uh, meditating, and and that's a skill that's worked for me, and I think. You know, the more people that can do it, the, the better for them. And it's just, it's a, you know, you've that many apps to do it for now when it only takes, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, it certainly helped me. I mean, I remember once I did it, I've been working really hard. And I was, I was knackered and I knew I had to go, I was really tired. I'd done like a couple of big days, five hours sleep. And I had to uh, go to a talk and uh, I was thinking I'm, I'm not the right mindset to do this. So I like meditate 15 minutes. I come through the other side of it and I thought, unbelievable, and just nailed it. And I just thought, there's, there's something powerful within this. And you've been doing it for three, four, five thousand years, so things don't stick around with it if, if they don't work on a crap. Yeah, that's true. That's true, mate. Um, brilliant, pal. I think we've got it there. I'm, 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 I'm glad you've come on, mate. It's, it's been brilliant to speak to you and um, to have you on. And, and it's been a long time coming, but... We've all, we've been able to sit down and and have a chance to to chat to each other and and uh, maybe we'll be able to do a, an even better one in person soon. Yeah, mate, it was perfect. Thanks for having me on. And there's some great questions, Steve. Really good questions. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Cheers, Jay.